1: Arsenal fall to a valiant 2-1 defeat at Old Trafford, but it's Arsene Wenger that hoists the trophy. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. I have to admit... As Arsenal have given up on the Premier League season, so too have I given up on those witty introductions. Uh, I literally hit record, and whatever is in my head is what comes out. Uh, And I think we're all the better for it. Uh, Arsene Wenger did receive a trophy, not after the game, but before the game, uh, which presumably can be melted down into uh, whatever metal was used to make it, and then uh, turned into bullets that can be fired into Jose Mourinho. But, you know, that's just my idea. Arson can do whatever he wants with it. It was definitely a thrilling and emotional moment as a, a stadium full of people that once called him a pedophile, and by once I mean for 22 years, uh, cheered him off. You know, I, I think, in a way, it is a sign of the decline of the man as uh, in, in terms of his competitiveness that the old Trafford fans would would clap him off like that, but we, we can get to that later. I should probably introduce the lone guest who has showed up for this podcast. His name is Clive. You can find him on Twitter at P A F C. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. You know, there's another Arsenal podcast where uh, two people just talk to each other. One's James, one's Andrew. They, they, they're on Twitter, too. They have, they, have a, they have a podcast, and it seems fairly successful. So, you know, maybe, they're quite maybe, good, aren't they? Maybe, uh, I mean, look, what do I know about good podcasts? So you wouldn't want my opinion, but m- maybe this will catch on. Uh, Tim is at the youth match. It didn't go well. Uh, Scott is on a Disney cruise. I kid you not. Uh, Paul has suffered uh, an athletic injury. Uh, I kid you not, so, so we're on a skeleton crew, um, but but that's okay because it was a skeleton crew at Old Trafford, so Clive, look, I think there are a lot of ways we can engage with this, and before we go to the beginning and, and talk about the lineup and the rotation and all of that, I'm curious to get your feeling, I engaged with this match in a weird way, as you know from the uh, audio quality of the last podcast, I was in Florida with my family, I had two feet in the pool while I watched this, sipping a drink with, a, with an umbrella nice. in it, and, you know, I, maybe it was the environment, or maybe it's the situation. But I found it difficult to get too worked up about this game, to be too emotionally invested in this game. And I think ever since Arsene has announced that he is leaving, my attitude has kind of been change is coming. So now it doesn't matter. You, you know, it, it doesn't matter. What are we going to do? We're going to worry about the, the defense isn't organized enough, or you know, our attack is is too slow and not direct enough. The next manager is going to change all that. All I really have now is kind of evaluating the talent, seeing if I think we have good players or not, and waiting till next season. Now, I admit that's different with the Europa League, but we'll talk about that later. So how did you engage with this match, and and were you able to get emotionally invested in it?
2: Yeah, but more, more in a risk management way, right? I was thinking, okay, this could be a bad one. I didn't want Wenger to get embarrassed. I didn't want the club to be embarrassed. This was a game that we didn't really need. We needed a free week, Thursday to Thursday, you got Manchester United away and they sort of must have seen our team line up and sort of went, you know what, let's just keep it at 70% today and see what we can get out of it. And we went into it thinking, uh-huh. let's see what we can do and see how it goes. And I think the fans went into it with a sort of, you always walk into a game with a, an emotional level and that it depending on what's at stake. And there just wasn't enough at stake for you to be too fearful. Right, so you just sort of went into it, sort of closed. But um, it's Manchester United, and when I, you know, when Arsenal play Manchester United, you don't want to get beat, you know. So, um, so yeah, I think for many people now we're in a different places emotionally, and um, I think we're just waiting for something we're just not sure about, and we're spending a lot of time as fans working out what's coming next, who's coming next. And what it will mean for us, and um, no one's hundred percent sure. Though rumors are flying, but I think that's where people's minds are—the yeah. f- future and uh, and obviously Thursday night. Yeah,
1: it's like if you're at a job and you've put in your two weeks' notice, and you know you're moving on to a new job, and your boss like gives you crap about something you did in those last two weeks, like you just can't care because it doesn't matter. It has no going forward ramifications for you right so i feel like nothing that happens in the league right now given that we are rooted to sixth given that we know this is a poor campaign given that we know the manager is leaving there's no outcome that can matter and so what can matter really and the only thing that can matter to some extent is evaluating the players now i I do want to to get your take and i i I think i know it based on your answer i had no problem with the rotation i would have arguably gone with heavier rotation i i would have potentially rested bellerin chaka even Mkhitaryan. Now you could say that Mkhitaryan needed the sharpness. I, I would have played him for 30 minutes. We discussed that last podcast, but we talked about rotating for this game. So do you think he did too much, not enough or just right?
2: I think he got it just about right. And the ones that he played, forget Mkhitaryan, cause also he went to play him to come back. I felt he kept him on for 20 minutes too long. He got a kick and he made him sort of run through it. which I thought was stupid. And, and then made a substitution while he was limping. I didn't, I didn't get that. Um, but yeah, the two that he played, let's talk about them for a second. It tells you about their importance or does it tell you about the lack of cover we have for them?
1: Well with Bellerin, it's that's lack of cover, that's for damn sure. <laughs>
2: yeah, potentially, yeah, but we could do things with holding and play chambers there and things like that. So but he chose not to. And I think it demonstrates the importance of those two players. I think they are they are extremely important to how we play. I think without you know, with us playing once every two weeks these days, um, he, the other the other person that drives our team is, is and Whether you like him or not, he's the one that directs the team, and he's becoming increasingly influential. I know that um, on the TV over here they they ripped him to pieces because of his uh, slide tackle in the, in, in, on the first goal, but he he does so much for this team, and I, and I think we don't quite read him correctly. And um, and the same for Bellerin I, I you know I can barely imagine an Arsenal team without the pair of them at the moment right so um i think the major show tells you what's important to him and who he really 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 can't do without and then those two players played and the rest of rotation i'll see that i'm sure you're going to get to it but a big story was watching uh, the greek lad play
1: uh, yeah we'll we'll come to all of the the younger players because i want to break them down all individually because i do think the biggest takeaway from this game is trying to analyze what we have on our hands right i mean we know that the next manager will set us up differently. Will you know? We'll have different flaws than we have under Arson and we'll have different strengths. But the players will be the players. So it's interesting to kind of evaluate them. I will say that, the, to me, Clive, there was a, a lesson to be learned here, which is maybe that Arson has gotten it wrong in the past with some, some of the ways he's rotated. You know, this was a finally, finally, a chance to see the young players used in their strongest positions. Maitland Niles wasn't playing as wing back. Reece Nelson wasn't playing at wing back. Right? I mean. The, the young players yeah. that got to play got to play in positions that are more natural to them, and in fact, even Alex Awobi, you know, he he flew under the radar in this game because everyone wanted to talk about Maitland Niles and Mavropanos and rightly so. But I thought Awobi was excellent. Awobi was not playing as one of the right forwards where he's terrible, or even left forward where his lack of end product hurts us. But he was one of the three in midfield, and he linked the play well. He built play well. He he got out of some tight spots nicely, and he 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 connected things. He stitched things together, and that's. That's an important role in the three, but that's not what you need from one of your three forwards. And I, I thought he really excelled as a result of it. So let's start from the back and let's talk about Mavropanos Is I will say that yeah.
2: I will say that before we go to the players, I mm-hmm. will say experience is experience, and when you're really young, you can't you can't always choose where you get your minutes. Right? And, um, that's true. Arsenal Arsenal have given more minutes to academy kids in any in the Premier League than any other club. In the Premier League this season and it hasn't been we all know we all watch the youth players and we read about them and we know that you know, Maitland-Niles is not a left wing back but maybe the minutes that he had under pressure against Liverpool just before Christmas allows him to play centre midfield under pressure at Old Trafford and do that well if he came in and didn't have those means because the centre midfield slot wasn't available, he would come in sort of inexperienced, a little bit callow, and we'd all be wondering about his talent right now. So I think there's two sides to it as a youth development. Minutes is the first thing. Minutes at the level, experience, even traveling with the team, understanding how they prepare, understanding what they do with hotels, being away from home for a game. It's the sort of thing that kids don't do. And they do that first. They travel with the team. They train with the team. They understand how it works, understand what the meetings are like, what the preparation is like. And then they get on the pitch. And then they're able to perform. And when they first go on the pitch, sometimes playing that position is good because what it means is you're not being judged as that player. You're being judged as a 1st team player and how you cope. Then when you get into your position, then you're being judged as somebody who could have a squad shirt. And then that's when it becomes more exciting. So development has different journeys, right? And I think the way we do it is not always perfect. But again, what's your measure? For me, the measure is minutes in the first team. I think we do that quite well.
1: Sure, I don't don't disagree with that. I think you make an interesting point about uh, just being prepared to be on the pitch with the first team and seeing the speed of the game and seeing the physicality and sort of understanding the nerves and how they're going to affect you. We also know that the manager has a long track record of liking his players to play in wide positions, his young players before yeah. they move to central positions. I mean, he even did it with Nick Bentner, for Christ's sake. Um, but yeah. he, he has a long history. He did it with Ramsey, uh, Oxley, Diaby, obviously Diaby. Yeah, and <laughs> and I think that you know Nelson played right wing back earlier this season in the group stage of the Europa League. Maitland now has played left wing back uh, in those stages and and some other games as well. And and maybe you're seeing the fruits of that education be yep. borne by the performances that that they delivered here. So I want to start to work through the performances, and we can talk about some of the incidents in the game as well. But cool. w- we'll start with Mavropanos. And I, I think the Mavropanos-Chambers pairing, on its face, had the potential to be a disaster. Um, you know, especially Kolasinac, who's not been good and not played a lot, and maybe a, a Bellerin who's saving himself in front of Ospina, you know, there were a lot of people that told me we can't rotate because the club can't tolerate another 8-2 or 6-0. I never understood the, the, the assumption, the presumption, that because we heavily rotate, we should therefore lose 8-2. Uh, th- this is not the United team that scored 8 on us, and even heavily rotated, we are not the Arsenal team that conceded 8. But, you know, Mavropanos and, and Chambers worked brilliantly together, and I'm curious what qualities of, of Mavropanos' game impressed you the most in this performance.
2: Yeah, well, hands up. Firstly, I'm not. You know, I have criticised Callum Chambers, and I've I wondered where his seeding is, and um, and, I, and I still have. I think he's going to be a, a good player. I'm not sure if he's going to be. A top-class Champions League player, but in this game he played really, really well. So, so hands up and fair play to him. But Manfred Panos now. So, why is he so exciting? Right. So, or well, to me, is exciting. So, the first thing you look at, right, is his um, is his size. So he's six three straight away. He's got the right size. He's quite aggressive. First first few minutes, ball went down the left back area. He's won the sprint straight away. Discouraged them. Straight away he's now discouraged him on the back foot. That's great. Ball comes into Lukaku's feet, he smashed him on the front foot. That means he doesn't mind it in the air, he doesn't mind it over his shoulder. And he doesn't mind going tight as well. And then you look at things and how he receives the ball. So he receives the ball on his back foot really nice. And then watch him closely. I'm sure people are going to look at the tape now. But if you watch him receiving the ball to goalkeeper, he receives it both feet, no problem, which opens the pitch out. But then he dribbles on the other foot. And he dribbles on left foot, right foot, inside and outside. And that tells you he's got a good technical base, right? So his first step is always to step into the ball. Out of his feet, step into the ball and drive. And then he's punching his pass through the lines. And that tells you he's progressive. Coaches always look for that first touch when the ball comes out. They don't want it to come into you so you attract people to you to press. You want it to be quite positive. Your touch is to be positive and decisive. And you also hear me say about sending messages. So when, when you saw him, this is not clever, by the way. When you, see, when you saw him receive the ball, did you feel stressed?
1: No he, he seemed comfortable on it and just to to build on that with some statistics I mean you, you know you mentioned Callum Chambers had a good game and I, I don't think he had a poor game I will say that he passed at seventy one percent and he had two unsuccessful yeah. touches and the, my big one of my big questions with Callum Chambers especially under pressure and games that have been nerve wracking for him we saw it in the first half of that fateful Liverpool performance um he just gives the ball away too much. He does not find a teammate with a pass as much as you'd like. I mean, a center back cannot be passing at 71% because all of those uncompleted passes are are potentially putting you under immediate danger, whereas Mavropanos, to your point, he only played 37 passes, not a ton, but 92% passing, clean with the ball. Yeah. No unsuccessful touches, no dispossessed. I mean, he was clean and comfortable on the ball.
2: Do you do the reason for that? Can't I dreamers. don't. No. I'll tell, tell, tell you now, the worst... The worst thing that ever happened to Callum Chambers, in my opinion, was John Stones, because when Callum Chambers first came to Arsenal, Stones was just appearing at the same time, and he was appearing as a, a relaxed, cool as a cucumber in at the back. And Callum Chambers was actually quite leggy, quite progressive, quite energetic, and I feel he slowed his game down slightly. So when he receives a ball, he, he, he tries to give the impression of, I'm really relaxed, but really what he's doing is he's telegraphing his movements. And that's why his passing is a little bit more um, not as accurate. And to be fair to him, he does take responsibility on the more riskier, longer passes. I have seen him in the pre-season actually come on the Emirates Cup and, and I, I got a good view of him in the second half of the games. And some of his passing was unbelievably accurate and really, really good. So he has got that in him. But I feel sometimes he just lacks a bit of urgency in possession. And people can read you and they pick you off. right? They can read your movements. As soon as you look up, and they look down to the ball they move where your eyes went and the picture's already changed and so when you play the pass the passing lane is gone right so um, whereas Mavapanos now is a bit more positive and he's a bit more decisive and that means the passes go through. And that's just, I've only seen the one game, but it's just something that I felt. And you can watch the way someone frames a ball, the way they frame it with their body. And then you can just see that they're in control. And then, and then people give them time when they see that because they know there's not a dispossession chance. And it's just funny. In football, you send messages to people. You send messages to your teammates. You send messages to the opposition. You send messages to the crowd and who are watching. And the message I got from panels is... We have got something there. If you look at it, everything about his physicality, his leg length, everything about his sprinting speed, where the hell did we find this boy from? Well, that's your boy. That's your boy, Sven Diamond Eyes. (laughs) You know, you don't find things like that for a couple million quid. You just don't. You know, so that is, you know, it's one game, but but you can see it. You can see Why? You can see the potential. And more importantly, the ceiling is huge. If you look at his shoulders, they're still narrow. He's got lots of growing to do physically, into strength-wise, muscle-power-wise. But he's got the basic speed, the basic physicality, and decisiveness. And I, I'm really, really excited about where he could be in a couple of years' time.
1: Yeah, and I am as well. And I, the only thing I will say in response to that is that – I mean, I felt that way about holding when he broke through. you know, when he first played for us. I felt that way about Chambers when he very first played for us. i I am being careful because we have seen these guys get introduced, and yep. the adrenaline and the newness and the energy of of being new and other teams really not knowing what kind of defender they are sometimes carries them through. And when that subsides, yep. it's not good enough. Having said that, I I don't think that Arsene Wenger shepherds young defenders along in their career very well, and so yeah. it may be a stroke of luck that Mavropanos gets to come into the team after the Arsene Wenger era, you know, or or at the very end of it, um, now with the turning of the tide. So I think that big those are all The Big things.
2: difference made between holding Chambers and Mavropanos is speed. Yeah, that's all. Well, it's just speed.
1: And from a very, very, very limited example, I would say uh, quality on the ball. Just comfort and quality on the ball. Now, I, I will say what I liked about Mavropanos. You know, everybody was telling me about his physicality and the way he handled the duels. And, you know, he, he was strong and, and assured. You know what I liked about him a lot, Clive? He was switched on. You know, Mustafi drives me nuts because he just... He does silly shit. He does silly switched-off shit. Maverpanos, how many times did a ball go in, you know, a deep, long ball into our box where he was aware of the player behind him, he was aware of the threat, he tracked a runner, you know, he didn't get caught in space. You know, and and that, I think, is so important, that awareness, because I am convinced that any Premier League-level athlete can be, physically, physically can be a central defender. I don't think any of these guys. I don't think Chambers, I don't think Holding, I don't think... Kashelny, I don't think, Mustafi, I don't think, Mavropanos, I don't think any of them physically are incapable of being defenders. I think mentality, aggression, awareness, the ability to focus and concentrate about every square inch of your pitch around you for 90 minutes, that's what makes defenders. Seeing the game before it happens so you know where the players are going, having a sixth sense about who's behind you, and he seemed to have that. He read the game really well, and I think that is encouraging because to me, that says you're a natural-born defender. You know more than your physicality, more than your your physical skills, which can be taught. Yep. I think that that says you're a defender. Is that about covering? Yeah, mean,
2: yeah, it does. It does. And at this moment in time, we can only judge the player and what he does in isolation. I think you know projecting forward. It's going to be interesting to see. When we have a defensive strategy that's not based on individuals' talents or ability to survive, a lack of defensive strategy, and that's how we've had to judge our centre backs historically, and the only one that's survived it has been Kachelny, and he's just about to die, right? So um, no one else has really done it for a few years, right? So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we just need one, more, one or two more games out of him then we can put him out to pasture, right? So, um, Because we've run him into the ground. He's had to be two centre-halves at times to cover for his partners and cover for the fact he's had no full-backs. And he's been a wonderful, wonderful player that's just running out of energy. right? So, so we're interested to see if we can build centre-halves based on a more pragmatic structure and that sounds like a bit of a, a buzzword, but it's more of a collective way of defending with more two-way players that can help protect the back four, which doesn't leave them so exposed.
1: Yeah, well, let, let me give you sort of a question about tactics here. So, you know, the way we've been playing this year with Shaka Ramsey in midfield, and Ozil at the ten, we've really mm. had a two-man midfield, and we've seen what that's meant for our balance. And then, you know, then you wind up with, you know, you, you name it: Aubameyang, Lacazette, Mkhitaryan, or um, you know, uh, Obama Yang, Danny Welbeck, and Owobi, whoever it is in the front three. This game we had a midfield three. We had Shaka, Owobi, Maitland-Niles, and I thought Maitland-Niles was fantastic. I thought Owobi was fantastic, and granted, Shaka w- w- will get a lot of criticism if he gets any for the second goal. I think that's absolutely shameful. For the first goal, he deserves it because I don't know what the hell he was doing. That was just silly bullshit, but. Yeah, bad decision. You know, he he had almost double the passes of anyone on the team. He was accurate with his passing. He he had key passes. He was instrumental in the build-up to our goal. But how influential do you think it was? And, and what did you think of us playing with a more possession-oriented, technical midfield trio as opposed to our sort of usual shaka Ramsey ozel trinity?
2: Well, the first thing you said there, you said they were a trio. And um, I sometimes feel with Shaka, Ozil, and Ramsey, who are obviously you know, very, very good players, I don't always feel they play connected.
1: No, Ramsey right? so, likes to run off the ball to go wherever. Ozil finds whatever space he thinks is available, and Shaka tries to cover the 40 yards of pitch in the middle of it.
2: Exactly. And as soon as he makes a bad tackle, we slaughter him. Right. So um, bad decision, which probably comes under the fact that he can see loads of green grass around him, and when he sees that, he slides in. This is not new, he's done it from the moment he comes. When he feels exposed, when he feels no one's near him or he feels desperate, he goes to ground. Right? He's done it from the first moment. Sometimes connecting, sometimes not connecting, sometimes in a yellow card, sometimes with a red card. He's always done it when he's felt when he's felt naked. Right. So, um, and so, what we saw was a bit more of a unit. If anything, on that first goal, I was wondering why Shaka was sort of tucked in left back. If he'd held the middle, he would have been able to block that in a more controlled way. So I don't know how he ended up there. If he was support line running to, for a pass, but I think that's what we need to think about. We have these wonderful players that we fit in, but really, we should be thinking about the unit. And this sort of midfield reminded me a little bit of the midfield that we played at Southampton in the FA Cup a couple of years ago, which was also a unit of three players working together, quite athletic across the ground. And that sort of didn't allow us to be overrun. You know, so um, I think um, Iwobi, I, I feel Iwobi had, I judged him slightly more harshly, not because he didn't do well. he just I sort of wanted him to really grab the game. To really show that, yeah, I've got more experience than my partner, here. and I'm gonna, I'm gonna show him the way. I'm gonna dominate the ball. I'm gonna make sure I drive them back. He didn't quite do that, but he didn't let anybody down neither, and he, and he worked quite hard. So I'm not gonna criticise him. I thought Jacker was, was an absolute leader on the day, and I know he made some glaring errors, but he was the one that was holding that team together. You know, he was there for everybody else to give the ball to to get them out of trouble. Mm-hmm. He was working hard defensively. He was playmaking. We had our, or had our playmakers out. And so he was playmaking, defending, and doing the most passes and creating the most chances. So, And had the most ball recoveries. So I thought he had a really interesting game. And lots of people are talking about um, the next captain. And I'm going to be controversial here, right? And, the, and this guy, I think he captures his country or has done. He's 25 years of age. He's got leadership potential, in my opinion. And, um, and so, yeah, obviously, nothing can, nothing, no one can tell what's going to happen in the future. We don't know who the major's going to be, if he's going to even like him or if he's going to see him as a saleable asset. But it didn't upset me to see him with the captain's armband. And I think we've just got to project forward and think, well, this guy's doing it every single week he turns up and plays. Every week, well, without fail.
1: I mean, I yes, he's he's played just played a mountain of minutes. One of the best abilities is availability. He's always available when he's not on a red yeah. card, which admittedly hasn't been ages. And yeah, I think there's a lot to like about him. Look, if he keeps playing eighty to one hundred to one hundred and thirty passes a game at ninety percent, along with you know being progressive with his passing and generally not being a complete dumpster fire defensively, I love the guy. The problem was he went through. January, February, and March passing at sixty eight percent. You know, and, yeah. and that that was really where where maybe, I became concerned because when this guy doesn't pass well, you suddenly lose the benefit of having him in your side.
2: Yeah, so maybe maybe we we play him through the fatigue, you know, and maybe that point we need to say when we when he does start to drop off, rather than playing through because he's so important. Can we get someone else in to just to to give him a rest so he gets his freshness back? You know, so maybe it's just that. I think he's a, he interests me a lot. Actually, I was talking to 7am kickoff on, online the last couple of days, and we were debating him. And, um, and I sort of came to a conclusion that we, he, everything he said was correct, as he normally is correct. But I think a lot of this comes down to context and how we judge players. And what our starting point is, right, for a lot of people, Shaka is the player that Kante isn't. If you see what I mean. We could have got they? we got Shaka. So straight away they look at him and think, Well, he can't get across the ground, he can't sprint, he can't tackle the same way. And he and he makes a defensive error. So we so we criticise him. And then and then I look at him and say, Okay, well you're a deep line playmaker. So I told so Great. Are you playmaking? Are you keeping the ball? Are you getting on the ball enough and are you moving us forward? Can you improve your defensive side, which I think he has done? And all, for me, all he needs to be better is to have the security blanket of somebody next to him that actually can really work hard, Is quite dominant physically in a more box-to-box, but with the ball at feet way rather than, rather than vacating way. Do you see what I mean? I I think um, I think Ramsey would be perfect with a player like that, a connecting player, because then Ramsey can do what he does, which is push people back with running power and break it into spaces which are hard to track. But I don't. Although Shaq and Ramsey is still our best centre midfielder partnership, I do think it's not a unit. It's just not a unit that's going to get us to the elite levels that we well, need to get to
1: and and that there's a real problem and it's it's not Arson's problem anymore, but it is a problem. You have Ramsey, Shaka, and Ozil. you're going to start them. but that's not a midfield three. it's not. So, do you play a back three and use Shaka and Ramsey as the midfield two? Maybe you do. Do you push Ozil up into one of those wide forward positions and let him play a free role to move around behind two strikers and use Shaq and Ramsey? I don't know. The problem is, you saw how effective a midfield trio can be, and I want to give you a little microcosm of, of how this worked. Um, not give you like you don't know this, because you, you know it, and <laughs> and anything I say is is obviously you know just me building on things you already know, but... Look, look at Mikatarian's game and look at Awobi's game. I thought Mikatarian was fantastic. I really did. Mikatarian passed at 71%. He was dispossessed five times. You know what game that is? That's the Alexis game. That's the game yep. we used to kill Alexis for. But what Mkhitaryan did, he had three shots, he had four dribbles, he had five, he was fouled three, four five times, you know, statistics, they can be whatever you say. Um, you know, he, he scored the goal that, that really should have given us a point at Old Trafford. He had the kind of game a forward should have. When Alex Iwobi got out there in this game, he played midfield, and he did it brilliantly. He passed it 93%, he had no crosses, he had no key passes, he had no shots. But you know what? He wasn't dispossessed, and he passed accurately, he connected, he linked, he dribbled a couple times, he kept it ticking over, he stitched it together, he gave it to Mkhitaryan to create opportunities. He gave it to Reese Nelson. And I liked seeing Awobe do that. He was progressive, but he was clean with the ball. The problem is, Alex Awobi has that game But he has that game when he's playing forward, and that's no good. You need the Mkhitaryan game. You need 71% passing because he's trying hard stuff. You need three shots and four dribbles and five dispossessed. You need a guy who is trying to create end product, and Mkhitaryan was, and he did. And so I think what we saw from Awobi is these qualities he has of being able to be clean on the ball, being able to be technically sound, stitch things together— Keep it ticking yep. over, all the, the cliches. They work in a midfield three. They don't work when he's one of the wide forward positions. Mkhitaryan I gave agree. us a game much more emblematic of what, or, or, or uh, analogous to what uh, Alexis Sanchez used to give us. But that's okay if you have a competent, uh, secure midfield. And we did on this day because. Um, Shaka passed at 90%, Wobbe passed it will be passed at 93%, and Maitland Niles passed at 92%. So a very clean, very secure midfield trio. So let's get on to Maitland Niles. Th- this is a player that for me really underwhelmed in a few key chances this season to win his spot. He had a terrible game against Oster at home in the second leg and and really probably kept him from being in the team more. Put us a- in the position where we could have crashed out at that at that point and I felt for him but I thought he was and he was awarded man of the match in many ways on this day 20 years old playing in the center of our midfield at Old Trafford showed athleticism creativity a quick touch secure on the ball how impressed were you with him in a position where if we're being honest he hasn't always been this exciting but he was very exciting this day
2: Yeah I, I, you know I must be I sort of been a big fan of him for many many years now um and i just happened to see him once you know sometimes you see a player you you see him live and you see them just jump out at you you just don't forget them and um and i saw him when he was younger and i just couldn't believe how quick he was how physically perfect he looked at that age group and um and just how he just made the game look so easy so he just sort of stood out he was jogging through the game I saw and um and and I've seen him play some England youth games he's played number 10 he's played number eight he's played on the wing we found a position for him at fullback and then introduced him into a team that way but he was always going to be in center midfield it's quite interesting that Wenger said that he saw him as Coquelin sort of deputy as more of a sprinting tackler and he showed that he can win his duels one-on-ones in wide areas and I thought that's really smart you know, I can probably see him developing that way but really I mean I, I, I sort of seem more like a a more progressive Victor Wanyama I said it before I, I see him as he develops if he gets more size being that type of player that's what I, that's where I was about six months ago. But then he showed a much more sort of an eight and a half type skill sets, he Wobi type skill sets that I didn't really expect would show up at the first team level at uh, 19-20 against Paul Pugba and Ando Herrera. I didn't think he'd be able to show the quickness of thought, have pictures, and be able to pass the teammates under pressure. I just didn't see that coming. To have the bravery to drive and run into the box. And this has all come to the minutes that he's had. I felt he's played a little bit conservatively. I think he's been quite quiet and and I wanted him to have a more proactive personality on the game because he's got a lot more in him than what he's actually showed you know he has not showed hardly anything of the speed and physicality which he could show if he was to let it all go I think yesterday was the closest against Manchester United to him really doing some repeat work and really wearing his man down and also there was one bit where Mattis tried to run him on the touchline and then Mattis just gave up. You know, because there's just no point. And, uh, and when you see a player discourage your position like that, and then just stroke the ball out the other side, then you say to yourself, "Okay, I've got to give this guy a bit of room because he can run me, and I can't run him. So what I've got to do is my uh, my opponent. You know, Mattis was quite smart. He just goes and gets the ball short. He tries to pull him out of his holes, and then move out. They move around him that way. So he's got a lot of experience to learn. He mustn't be pulled out of his position." People are trying to, you know, sucker him in and do little short passes and pop round him. No matter how quick he is, he's not quicker than the ball. And so once they get behind him, he's gonna he thinks he can recover. Well, it's not youth football, you can't recover. You can't catch Paul Pope when he's lucky like, five yards ahead. So things like that, positioning, knowing when to go in, once he learns that, then the future's incredibly bright, but he's not a surprise no longer. Everyone's talking about
1: him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think the encouraging thing on this day is it's very hard for academy players to make it in the first team at all. It's even harder for them to be special and, and become a part of the first team on a, a winning or challenging first team squad. And there were some things in this game, whether it was Mavropanos, whether it was Maitland Niles, they, that encouraged you to think maybe just, maybe we have a few young players that if they are how they look, they might be. That wasn't English, but you just, Take the spirit
2: of the, of, of the sentence. I, do, I got you. Um, I got you.
1: Then it saves us resources that can be used in other places and, and used more effectively. Uh, one place we will be using resources is goalkeeper. David Ospina is, how shall I say this, um, genetically a j- a genetically challenged when it comes to being a keeper. So look, the, for me, the second goal is on him. But there was there was a moment, I don't remember who it was, someone shoots from a very, very wide position and it goes off the post and out. You remember, it was a United player from the their left wing. Who would have been down there?
0: Oh, um, was
2: he Ashley Young? It, 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 Ashley Young? Be,
1: yeah, it might have been. Yeah, it might have been. Like a really acute angle, and he shoots and it hits the post and it, go, it goes out. Now, look, yeah. the reason I bring it up is watch Ospina. He's standing on his goal line, and as that shot kind of comes towards him, he starts to do his stagger back into the goal thing and it hits the post and goes off. Yeah. But, like, He's in no position to make any kind of goalkeeping effort. I just, I am routinely baffled by his positioning. He does some things well. He's quick off the line. His distribution's not terrible. He can be a very good shot stopper. Look, the reason David Ospina is a professional goalkeeper and not whatever someone with his body shape does when they're not playing football is because he is agile. He can get off his feet quickly to, to react, but his body position is so poor that he undermines himself. And so for that second goal, Clive, you know, he, he can't fix the fact that he's small any more than I can. No. But he cannot be kind of crouching, leaning back weirdly. Like, why is is the fault in his starting position and, and his reaction? Yeah,
2: I, I think he's a player that comes into certain games concentrated and other games not. I honestly believe that I, I, I he's one of those strange signings. I, I just don't have any confidence in in him. Uh, he has one good game, one bad game. Much like a lot of our players and that tells you about the accountability and the and the standards. He he just he's just a average goalkeeper, but I almost L- don't want to talk this. about it. let me say this. When because, I when
1: I was single and I used to go out to the bar and try to meet meet people for uh, mating. I would uh, I would wear cowboy boots because at the time I was living in Nashville and so it was totally normal to wear cowboy boots. But they they also add like like a good two inches to your height, and uh, this can be yeah, an affecting yeah, yeah. mating strategy. So do do you think we should let him play in cowboy boots? Is this is this maybe the solution? Do I need to get on the horn to Arsenal here?
2: Yeah, well, with goalkeepers, it's a lot of how they make you feel, right? And, and um, when goalkeepers <laughs> make you make you not look at them. Then you know you have got a good goalkeeper. If you're watching your TV, you're just looking at your goalkeeper all the time. That tells you you got a problem. And and when he's hot, he surprises you. But when he's cold, he sort he sort of meets your expectations. And um and uh, it's interesting that Czech. I'm not sure if Czech's injured or, you know, you know I would personally play Czech where we're going to have to really defend our box and dominate our box in Thursday? periods. Yeah, he's I, I, got to. Well,
1: what's with Ospina getting surely? injured every time he plays? Like fake injured? Like the guy must have the most brittle bones in the world? Like what is going on with him? He's like that character from the movie Unbreakable, but the breakable one.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Every every game he plays, the trainer's on. Right, so <laughs> your your goalkeeper should be like one of those people that when they get hurt. They just like throw it off and, and be dominant. When he gets hurt, he rolls around crying, fixes his gloves. He's on the floor. Coach, come on, come on! If you're the attacking team, you're thinking let's just put the ball under his crossbar and smash him about. And again, he's, he just rings vulnerability. Hey, look, he, he is what he is. What he is. We, we know that things. We hope that situation is going to change. I am. I, I do like Peter Czech. I think he's a. He's a great person. Our people like him should not be walking out of our club with one year to go. We should keep him for another year and then he can go off on a free transfer and do what he wants to do or he can go into coaching. But um Ospina, just let him go and and obviously buy a goalkeeper to replace, which who check can mentor. Check becomes the second, maybe the cupkeeper and we, we mentor somebody into the first team. Role.
1: I haven't mentioned Reese Nelson. Is it fair to say that he did nothing wrong and nothing right that this was sort of another game where he he got through it he He did his part, but hard to hard to take away too much from it that he was overshadowed maybe by some of the other younger players
2: yeah he 's playing against a strong player and um, I, th- I think he did he did okay I think um, again, he spent time at wing back so defensively he 's more astute now, so he didn 't leave any holes. He works back really well because he 's learned that from his wing back position. I think it 's something that I wish he woby could learn. I wish he could learn the defensive side of his game because if he added that to his game, defensive awareness and just the ability to tackle, I think he becomes a two-way player. Then you start to see his strength. You start to see the fact that when he goes man-on-man in, into contact, he can keep the ball. But what happens with the Woby? he just wants the ball in certain situations, which suits him. He wants it nicely on the half-turn so he can do a little shake and bake and then he can dance off, move it, follow it, He wants it a certain way. And I wish almost that he would spend some time either in a wide situation defensively or a deep situation just so he can learn how to defend. Because if he can add that and become a two-way player, then we start to look at him differently. We start to trust him a little bit more. And he can do that. I remember the Chelsea game, Chelsea away game, when it was... Well it was um, Shaka Ramsey, Iwobi Welbeck, and he did a very disciplined defensive role from the right-hand side. So he can definitely track people, but if he can be more defensively trusted from a central area, we start to see a different player.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And I... I just I would be devastated if Mkhitaryan can't play Thursday again. I was I was very impressed with him and even though he gave the ball away a lot, had a lot of passes not be completed, everything direct and progressive that we did including the goal yep. involved him and he just has that dynamism that we lack without him. Uh, he he has a little he more carries end the ball. Yeah, he carries he the ball, make... he's a little more direct. I just he is not the player I thought at all. He is not the technician really that I thought he was, but he is so much more direct and uh, yeah. potent, the final third. I think we need him. We need him Thursday. We need it to be Lacazette, back and Mkhitaryan up there, and I, I hope it will be. But uh, to finish with this game just really quickly, a couple things. First of all, a game to forget for Aubameyang. If I hadn't mentioned him right now, it would be easy to for, literally forget that he was on the pitch. Do you think because of the type of player he is, we have to acknowledge that there just are going to be days like this for him that he doesn't need a lot of opportunities to change a game, but there are going to be games where, much like a Theo Walcott, you just hardly notice he's on the pitch?
2: I didn't see him as that type of player, actually. and I think um, he's, he's every, every ground is new. Every occasion is new, so he's still settling in. This is almost like a free, a free part of his football life at the moment. But I would like to see him sort of say, well, actually, I'm a 28-year-old. Proper player that's played in Champions League. And we've gone here with a, with a fairly scratched team, and I'm one of the more senior pros. And I would have liked to see him, you know, try a bit harder, if that makes sense. <laughs> not, just try to show some leadership um, rather than just running around smiling and, you know what? and sort of. The only thing I'll maybe that's just the way he is. You know? Maybe that's just the way he
1: is. He's someone who needs a really good number 10, doesn't he? I mean, I know, not that the 10 is the only person that can connect with him, but. We didn't have a specialist out there in yeah. putting putting in that dagger ball, you know that 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 ball that he could run into. And there were a couple yeah. of positions and cases. Now, and you know, I thought Maitland-Niles was excellent, but he had one counterattack, for example, where there were a lot of good runners, and he kind of put it between everybody out yeah, for out that. for a. I think he went out for a throw even. Um, yeah. And so there were a couple of cases where Aubameyang was making interesting runs and was pushing the the defenders back on their heels in transition, and we just didn't have that player. That he could thrive on on their distribution in this game, yeah
2: yeah i I it's a bit harsh really I think um what's interesting about him is that uh, he doesn't stay central very long, he does move into wide areas, he does move around, looking for that weak body to run off, and I think um I think parts of this are really important to him to work with other people that he trusts and, um, maybe he didn't have that enough, maybe he missed them as or slightly to somebody who he knew he can trust and work from, but, um, it's not a criticism, every game is different and he did fine, he gave us give us a 6 out of 10, right? right, but, I would have liked the header to have gone in or at least look a bit more, you know, clinical, but, um, I don't know. I wish he could play Thursday. Right? Yeah, so, um. <laughs> you'd have him back out there if you could. I mean, this is a guy playing, there, exactly. you know, whatever it
1: is, twelve or thirteen preseason friendlies before before the end of the season. Um, yeah. Well, just to put a bow on this, I, I mean, Fellaini gets this weird looping back header with help from Shackai. I have sympathy for Shaka. He can't jump with Fellaini. That you can't ask him to do that. And I don't think it was defended that poorly. I think a good goalkeeper gets there. I think it's just we're one just of those. We're
2: just too deep. Yeah, we're it... just too deep. Maybe. And a good goalkeeper. What happens there? A good goalkeeper says, "Clears his area." Yeah, you clear just your area, punches so you Fellaini in the back of the head. And you can come and take it. <laughs> and so any touch that close to your goal is going to potentially go in. So, um, hey, look, we were we were late on, hanging on. And everyone creeps back towards their goal naturally. It's not only the goalkeepers thought, defenders do it too. And so, and Flaney's great at you know, getting on diagonals. He needed it about five minutes beforehand. And he just pushed us back. And um, yeah, it's a shame. But um, fair enough, I wasn't too disappointed because the positives far outweighed uh, Manchester United kicking up to the big man. I sometimes feel that maybe some of their fans are, would have been more excited to see Maitland-Niles and, and Manf- Panels play for Manchester United than watching Mourinho bring on Fellaini and try to yes, score Sam, a goal that like is of,
1: of winning a football match. Yeah, I, look, I, I don't think a club our size should ever be looking at moral victories, and. I have never been a believer that we should have a moral victory, but given that we're changing managers, given that we heavily rotated, given that we are away at Old Trafford against a full-strength 282-trillion-pound squad, I don't think it's awful to say, you know what? We played well. The youngsters played well. We were in it. There was very little between them. Sometimes when there's very little between you, The breaks don't go your way. We lost to a jammy goal at the end, and I'm not going to lose my rag over that when the really important match is Thursday because ultimately getting that point at Old Trafford would have proven what exactly. You know, I have seen better Arsene Wenger sides get battered by lesser Manchester United sides. So, you know, I mean, Mm. and those were aggravating moments. I, I can remember, I think it was an FA Cup tie at Old Trafford where Ferguson put out like eight defenders and we put out a full strength side and they just like I think they beat us two nil or something, just comfortably pushed us aside, like we weren't even there. Those were depressing times. This was not that.
2: Uh it's not depressing, but I, I will say that um, there was a there was a quote a few years ago when Patrice Evra called Arsenal like a finishing school. Like a, somewhere you go to finish off your football education and but they're not really serious. And I would like I look forward to the day when we go to that ground with a serious football team, that we can take them apart. And, sure. and we can, and I look forward to that day. But we're going to have to do are, it
1: with one-tenth the resources. I mean, let's not fool ourselves, right? Like, we shouldn't feel entitled to have a better squad or certainly a, a more no. expensively assembled squad than United will at any point in our near future.
2: But we can be smart, and we've always used to be smart. We, like to so. we, we used to be the team that used to sell players to Barcelona and Real Madrid, and 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 now not, they're not looking for our players, right? So we used to be smarter about how we recruited, how we developed to a point where we will always have somebody in the PFA Team of the Year or somebody. That's really one of the best two players in the league. We just haven't got that at the moment, right? And um, and and we are the team that everyone <laughs> look forwards to playing against in the league, especially away from home this year. But I know that's a point in time. It's not. It's not who we are, and that will change. But I look forward to the day when it does. Sure, right? and, and and that's the measure.
0: And
1: I would only take issue with the idea that we, we did have one of those players. It was Alexis Sanchez, and Manchester United came yeah. for him and took him. And I do think Mesut Ozil is in or around that category. And I think by the middle of next season, we might be saying that Yang is is squarely in that category. I think yep. if Aaron Ramsey stays and continues the trajectory he's on right now, he could be in that category. So I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, I don't, I don't think we're necessarily even as far away as we think. And it may be the case that as much as I love Arsene Wenger, and I do love Arsene Wenger, that he went from being a manager who hugely improved us, to a manager who got us about to par, to a manager who is now getting us below par, or above par in the golf you, you, you know what I mean because golf it's the, yeah. the above par is bad so yeah the above par uh, but you know anyway so <laughs> I think um, I, I think we will see look let's let's move on from this I, I don't you know again had we gotten the draw would I feel better of course I would feel better would it make any difference in any way I, I just I, I struggle to see what the difference would really be other than Jose and some United fans would be less happy and that certainly would be great um, some quick thoughts on Thursday yeah. so I mean, I have I have really very little to say about how to approach this match because I don't know how much you can take from what happened last Thursday and apply it to what's going to happen this coming Thursday, except to say that I really think we need Mkhitaryan. I think we need to go out with an idea to go get goals, that getting goals puts them under more pressure than anything. We have to score to go through anyway. You get two, you get three, you get four, you go through. You know, they can, they get one, it still doesn't matter. We discussed that on the last podcast. So, I mean, you said you'd go with check. I agree with you. I don't know that he will, but I agree with you. You know, I mean, if you told me Mavropanas was playing instead of Mustafi, I know it wouldn't happen, and I know it would be crazy. Honestly, I wouldn't have a problem with it, but do you expect to see the same side just with Mkhitaryan come in for Wilshire maybe?
2: Maybe but I just got a feeling that Mikataran's gonna be injured. I just got that feeling. Um, hey. he, he seemed to uh, he seemed to go down and it seems to be the same potentially the same injury again and that's why I don't understand why we we kept him on but no doubt that'll come out tomorrow. But do you know the one player I'm looking at in this game? I'm looking at Meza Ozil. That's what I'm looking at. I'm thinking, Okay, mate, you negotiated your your max salary you know, your max contract you negotiate it well done um and now there are times when you have to turn up and earn that money right and if there's ever a moment in the season when he needs to put in a unbelievable stellar performance this is it and and he didn't do that much in the first leg and and maybe also new did Ramsey but maybe partly that was because of how the game the story went and the fact that they barricaded the box so there's no room for him to run into to to be as dangerous as he normally can be, although he nearly scored but I'm I think Ramsey will play better naturally away from home when the game is more transitional and there's more spaces to run into when teams will come on to us. but Meza Erzel has to play well. And, and that's the key. I think Lacazette will play well. I think Wellbent will play well. But I'm looking at Mesut Ozil because he's a difference maker. He can create chances on any football pitch at any time in the world. And if he creates the right chances, the right quality, we score two goals, we're going to go through. Right. So I'm looking at him. Um, what would I do? I, 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 almost wish, um, I almost wish that Maitland-Niles and Iwobi were further ahead in their development because I would play them ahead of Jack for a game where we're going to need to work very hard in central areas to match them. But they're not quite there yet. So Jack will play and um and he'll do a good job of ball retention and, and keeping the ball. And again, he needs to play well. He's got a lot on. If you want to go to the World Cup, the world will be watching him. So he needs to play well. It's all there for us, right? Motivations are there. They're playing for the manager. that kept catch them on nice contracts. They need to produce. There's no hiding place. And I have to say, I did get the sniff of a ticket for this game, and I I, I didn't quite accept it. I sort of wish I Now it's getting closer. Uh, and I know people who are going. I feel like this is going to be a really, really special night, and, I, and I'm going to miss it.
1: I hope it is for all the right reasons. Um, I, I just think it's as simple as if Mkhitaryan, if Mkhitaryan can't start, we can't win. I, I think we should play this game to win it. Winning this game gets you through. At any score. Mm. Um, playing to win means you're playing for goals, and, and goals get you through. Uh, so, I, you know, I know this is all really advanced stuff I'm espousing here. But <laughs> yes. I, I, would, uh, I, I think Mkhitaryan is a key. I think that whatever Jack Wilshere's qualities, and I fully acknowledge he was much, much, much better in the first leg than I anticipated, and really very good. I don't yeah. think he's Mkhitaryan. I don't think he brings that threat. I don't think he brings that end product. I don't have to say the word think. He does not. Bring those things. Uh, and I think that Mkhitaryan is a dream partner for Lacazette because he will get more advanced, because he will get into the box and pull the ball back, and Lacazette is clinical in those positions. And I think to prize open a defense that is so well organized, you need an extra player who, who has the end product, and he's the guy. So I, I think that's it, and I I believe that we will go with pretty much the same everywhere else. I wish Bellerin hadn't played at the weekend because I think wide spaces are so important against Atleti, and, and Bellerin is a player who relies on his pace and his, his energy and his physicality, you know, his, his physical traits to get through games. Um, so I, yeah. I, I think a fresh Bellerin against a team that can be exploited in wide spaces would have been really helpful. But we, um, we will face Diego Costa, I'm assuming. That is not something any of us are looking forward to with Koscielny and Mustafi uh, manning the defense. Or at least attempting yeah. to. So they'll that's have a worry. much
2: greater central presence now, won't they? They'll have someone to a focal hit, point. Yep. yeah, and, to and roll then off Win
1: second, you know, win se- second balls, right? So it's going to be yeah. let Costa go win it and let Griezmann run onto it. And that's where you also worry about that Ramsey Shaka pairing because if Shaka has a weakness, defending the second ball is not his strength um you know i, yeah, I just worry I, about we,
2: that. We, we need to play we need to play like, like a three to start with with you know ramsey jack and shaka as a as a real three and um and just keep as as the exit and just keep welbeck and you know, welbeck as high as possible and lacazette connecting and i think let's just start the game like that and have a look at the game and take it in 10 minute chunks but you know what those players have you know and they do have the ability to see the moment. You know, they all do. They all have the ability to see the moment. What I want them to do, what I'm not so sure about, is can they feel the moment when we when we need to when we're being a little bit overrun? Can they close the distances? And can they be secure on the ball? And if Tim was here now, he'd say technical security is the key. And I think after watching Athletic play last week, what they do very carefully is they look at your mistakes and they work from your mistakes. And I think accuracy, first touch, decision-making, when to turn them around versus when to play square, these are the things that we need to be really, 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 really smart with. Don't do stupid things in your own half. Don't give second efforts to them. Don't give them a chance to have one, two passes and go in. I think if we can do that and we can exit out nicely and we make good decisions on the transition... And we've got a chance. I think we will scare them. I think they're scared of Lacazette. Like they want to buy him. He played brilliant in the first leg. He's rested. That's quite interesting that he was absolutely rested. I think he is the key. Absolutely the key with Ursula. I think if we get them to, at any level, we might stand a chance. I really feel we stand a chance.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I hope you're right. What's your score prediction?
2: Uh, I said 1 1 extra time penalties. But I'm going more towards um, like 2-1 Arsenal for this one. i just got a feeling we're going to score the two goals and win it by the, the odd goal. Let's
1: say 3-1 Arsenal. Um,
2: and with that, <laughs> they're not that good. They're not that good, mate, no, trust they,
1: me. You know, I mean, I don't think they're very good, personally. Uh, and that's what's important. So, look, we, we've come to the end of the podcast. <laughs> we'll try to get the whole gang together after this game. I, I have to say I have felt very sanguine about the, the football lately just because, you know, with change coming... And some players I really like in this squad i, I kind of look forward to next season as a new beginning, and I've been feeling pretty good about it. That's all coming crashing down this Thursday. I am going to shit myself senseless if that that's not even a yeah. thing that's a new idiom you can use it. you can borrow it shit yourself senseless over this game i am i am I am bricking it as they would say, and it is it is a big big occasion and the, the fear is. If somehow we get through it, the fear is that it somehow winds up being too big an occasion and and we have a letdown in the final, which would be unbearable. But in any event, let's uh, jump off that bridge when we come to it. Uh, Clive's on Twitter at ClivePAFC. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. My name's Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter at Gunner. Give us a five-star review. Write nasty things about us in the comments. At the FBAs on the Twitters, at the FBAs, they have a website. You can go to it. You can vote for this podcast to win an award. And if it wins the award, I have offered full body hugs to everyone that votes um, you have to provide airfare and lodging. In any event, we will talk to you after Arsenal 10, Atletico Madrid nil.
2: I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast.